Behind home plate, we bringing it to him all day. Black, we rebuild the pack. No matter where we at, you know we coming back. Section 336, we on this, so tune in. Tune in. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Birdland. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Birdland. Now, here come the boys from Section 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336. Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearly stuttering host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Soroka. Hey, Matt. Happy New Year. Happy or New, New Year. Or New Decade, or whatever you want to say. It's January 1st when we're recording this. Yeah. I went for New Year's Eve. We went bowling. You know, there's nothing more stressful than bowling with kids. Because the entire time, and we did duck pin. So you, you know, this, right. But you didn't yeah. try to do this at like midnight. No, no, no. We went when the place opened. We went at 9 a.m. Okay, all we, right. That we makes were the a first, whole lot more sense. We were the first people in it, yeah. Because we knew. Um, we went, and it was um, – we actually went with uh, cousin Jennifer and her kids. And we took up, like, three lanes just with our four kids running around. Um, but it's so stressful because we did duck pin, but still, you know, my two-and-a-half-year-old, every time he rolled it down – and there was like a four-year-old there and a seven-year-old or whatever. Every time they rolled the ball down, you're like, that ball is not going to make it to the pins. And that's the worst feeling in the world. When you think it's going to stop in the middle of the lane, you got to go, right. go get somebody. And it never happened. Like, the ball always made it to the end. But, man, it was just stressful. Did you have, like, the the rack or the dinosaur or something to roll yeah, the ball I, down? I let him do a few on his own. I was like, this is too stressful. So we got the dinosaur. But even the dinosaur wasn't much better because he wouldn't, like, push it off. Like, he would just, like, tap it. And so it wouldn't go all that much faster. Right. Uh, and like with the dinosaur, I was like, I won both times, but I was close to losing to a two-year-old because uh, that that dinosaur will put it straight oh, on. Oh yeah, give them the dinosaur, give them the bumpers, and yeah, it's bumpers anyone too. anyone can play that game. Yeah. So and I, but I didn't want to lose to a two-year-old, so and I didn't, but it was close. It was a close call. I had to like start trying in the seventh frame because it was a little right. too close for my. Well, duck, duck duck pin's difficult when you try. Yeah, because it's not like it's so really hard, right? Because if you're playing with adults, like we played before duck pin, and if you're playing with other men, it's it just becomes a contest of masculinity based on who can throw the ball down the hardest. Well, I know right? the bowling alleys I would go to, they removed the speedometer because mm. I think it turned into that and people must have been breaking things. Yeah, because I think even without the speedometer, like I was trying to throw it down as hard as I can. And then I was like, I wasn't competing with anyone. I was just trying to show off to the seven-year-old so he could be impressed with me. But it wasn't the same. So then, yeah. But throwing hard is not often the most effective way to knock down pins with duck pin. No, it's all about spin. Or what I like to do is when I play duck pin, I go for launch angle. Mm. I like to have a nice loft and see if my ball drops about halfway down the alley. Mm, nice. That, the guy next to me was, was doing that. Yeah. I, I felt he was pushing the line a little bit because it would <laughs> fall down halfway down the alley. Like at some point, you're throwing it no. down, you're rolling it down. Exactly. That's what I would do is I would toss it like a softball pitch, and I would wonder – like I'd, I'd watch other people do that, and then I'd wonder, like, am I pushing the line? Am I trying to toss it? So then I'd get to the point where, like, my goal was can I hit the pins in the air but still yeah. be a soft a softball toss? Yeah. Uh, but uh, no one ever told me not to, and I feel like the guys who run bowling alleys are really strict if you break rules. 
Yeah, they 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 don't mess around. That whole buzzers are is stressful enough too. And they kept on these little kids kept on crossing the line with getting the fouls. It cost my yeah. man a, a couple of spares with that foul. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Bowling's always fun, but yeah, I can imagine it's more fun with adults than with some kids. Yeah, and the kids loved it, but it's just that stressful moment when you're waiting five minutes for the ball to roll down and you think it can't go any slower and it's going to stop in the middle of the lane. Right. Uh, and we got a ball stuck in the gutter. I don't know how the bumpers were up. I don't know how a ball got stuck in the gutters with the bumpers up. But somehow a ball got stuck in the gutter. I don't. Have I, don't you, I, I still don't even know how that happened. Have you, have you ever gotten the ball into the wrong, wrong lane? No, thankfully that did not happen. <laughs> no, I've never seen that. I've, I've seen other people do that. I've never done that myself, thankfully. Um, well, so what do you do for the countdown? Oh, um, in, cl- in classic Matt fashion, I was in bed by 11. I tried. I made a good effort to stay up to midnight, and I ended up just going to bed at 11. You know, I came back to Florida on Sunday night. My family's not back here yet, so I've got, I'm all on my own for New Year's. So I, uh, I too, went to bed by 11. The only scenario which I would stay up for the ball dropping, if, if there was also like a Ravens game that happened to end at like midnight. That's the only scenario. We watched a movie, Widows, yeah. which was a great movie, Wid- Wid- Widows, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Have you seen I've, that? No, but I've watched like three movies in the past two days. Okay. So I watched, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what Widows is. It sounds like a serious movie, though. It happened, it came out last year. It's like Liam ne- Neeson is a gangster, but he dies and his wife takes over, and his wife and the other mm-hmm. wives of the gangsters who died, they have to like complete the heist and steal the money. Oh, okay. That sounds way better than the normal movies you watch. Yeah, yeah. No, this is like a popular movie gotcha. last year. Oh, okay. I've never uh, heard of it. Yeah, it was good, though. I watched uh, Angel Has Fallen with, uh, I don't know, like, guy tries to kill the president type of movie. Similar to Angels in the Outfield or no? No, not at all. Okay. A lot of, like, that drone strikes tried to kill the president, and then they got to figure out who did it. Yeah. Basically. And then I watched Jexy which had horrible reviews, but I enjoyed it for my New Year's Eve, which is about a guy and his phone with Siri, where Siri tries to take over his life. So, uh, I thought that was called Her. It's kind of like Her, but like in Her, I think the guy falls in love with his cell phone. Right. In Jexy, Siri falls in love with the guy and like, and you know tries to sabotage his life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that also sounds like a Black Mirror episode. It is. It's very Black Mirror-ish, but with a comedy spin. Yep. So that that was my uh, that was my New Year's Eve, and then yeah. and then asleep by eleven. Yeah, we did Chinese food. I think that's a thing, right? To eat Chinese food. Oh, that's Christmas. I thought it was a New Year's thing. No, I don't know. I don't think so because I think I'm pretty sure it's Christmas. Uh, people don't eat Chinese food at New Year's. I know in a Christmas story, Day. it's on Christmas or it's on Thanksgiving. I think it's Christmas where you burn the turkey, so let's all get Chinese. Okay. That's a. I don't know about. Maybe it is. I don't well, we, know. We we had Chinese food, and I thought it was a but thing, but maybe it's not. But it's not. not even Chinese New Year. I know. I just think it's something like because people don't want to make food or something, they get Chinese food. But we didn't maybe. even order Chinese food. Like we bought the food and we cooked it ourselves. So. I think then it's just called food. Yeah, but it was Chinese uh-huh. food, like American Chinese food. Yeah, so I got gotcha. you. General yeah. Shows chicken. No, it was uh, General Kung Pao, an orange chicken with. Oh, uh, that's that's my favorite of generals. The um, Kung Pao? <laughs> yeah, Kung Pao. It's it was a little bit general. Yeah, it's a little bit spicy. Uh, I had Domino's. 
because right. I ordered a pizza two days ago, and that's what I've been eating for every meal I've been in the house. Nice, because you're bacheloring up. It's just you, yeah. right? Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> we got to talk some sports on this episode, oh, yeah. or are we just running down how our, how our weekend or weird. <laughs> it, I tell you what, it is very weird that today's a Wednesday. Yeah. I know for you it doesn't matter because you have like Christmas break, so it's just part of Christmas break or yeah. winter break, whatever they call it for school. You go back tomorrow? I go back tomorrow, yeah. Which is weird go- to go back on a Thursday, but yeah. Yeah, that's weird too. Do students go back tomorrow? Yeah, everyone goes back tomorrow. Okay, and Florida teachers go back on Thursday. Students go back on Monday. Uh, I would like that. That would be nice. That makes a whole lot more sense to me. Get your work days in or something. Yeah, I wonder. There's probably be an issue with absenteeism, I would imagine, tomorrow. Yeah. Extended for, to, to, to the rest of the week. I would. Yeah, that's a good point. I would. Mean, yeah, I would do that. Go on, go on a trip right after Christmas. You expect that week or whatever. That's what your family's doing, right? Yeah, but that's because my kids don't go back until Monday. Right, right. And we're not skipping school, but I could see us skipping school if it came down to that. Sure. So you but were yeah. trying to transition us to sports, Josh, and then we didn't get there. It was yeah. a good try. It was a good try. We almost got there, but we just didn't. All right. Well, maybe maybe next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I spent some time actually prepping with my all-decade team, so we need to get to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the end of the decade, so that's what everyone's doing, is uh, talking whether it's the end of the decade or end of the year, everyone's looking back at Orioles, Ravens. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about that. We could talk about the Ravens, but, I mean, they just beat up on the Steelers again. I don't think there's much to take away from that game besides just excitement for the playoffs. That our backups are better than their starters. That's kind of cool. Right. So, uh, yeah. And that in horrible, ridiculous rain, we were still able to run the ball. Yeah. So. Against what's supposed to be. Against, and, and when we're missing, what, Yana didn't play? And did did Stanley not play? Stanley so, did I, not play either. Yeah. And, so And, of course, uh, uh, what's his name? Ingram. And Ingram. So, and, our starting running back and two offensive linemen. Right. And Andrews didn't play. Right. So, yeah, a lot of offense off the field. And, of course, Lamar. But Yeah, and Lamar, but we're still able to run the ball. So yeah. that's pretty impressive. It's exciting. Uh, yeah. Gus Edwards is, I think, one of the most underrated backs out there, right? Two yeah, great I, years. yeah, I think the takeaway from that game would be that Gus Edwards could legitimately start still in the NFL. He, I, I mean, I thought he was our starter last year, but um, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, he, he shared carries. Right. So he could legitimately carry a team. Uh, and RG3 is a fine backup, but probably couldn't carry a team. As yeah. bad as there's a bunch of bad quarterbacks in the NFL, I didn't see anything from RG3. Now, granted, the rain was horrible, so yeah, <laughs> no, I, I didn't expect much. Yeah, yeah. I think it was not good circumstances for him to be successful when you're taking away half his offensive weapons and playing in the rain. Like, that's not setting up RG3 for success. Yeah. But that's not, that wasn't the purpose. I hope he comes back, and I think he's a perfect backup for, for Lamar Jackson. So um, it's kind of good that he didn't. He wasn't awesome because now hopefully he won't get a, a starter contract. Yep, and now the Browns are trying to steal our offensive coordinator. Yeah, we'll so, see. We'll see. I, I don't know why anyone would ever want to go coach the Browns, but yeah. we'll see. They even fired their GM, and I'm like, well, how can you fire the GM when his job is to get you all the great players, and on paper they have an amazing lineup? Yeah. Well, and then uh, the Redskins doing it backwards, too, because they fired their GM, then hired their coach, when I right. thought the GM was supposed to have some say in that, but apparently not. Right. I mean, 
Yeah, I'm more used to this from the baseball side, and I know the baseball side, you want your GM and your coach to get along. Yeah, exactly. We've seen what happens when they don't. Yeah. Did you see the mess in Cleveland? Speaking of Cleveland, did you see the mess of the offensive coordinator speaking out about Kitchens? No, I didn't. I don't don't pay attention to Brown stuff. I saw Kitchens was fired. That's about it. Yeah, so Kitchens was fired, and then the offensive coach, I guess, spoke out and said that, like, they would do all these practices during the week and prepare all these plays, and then when it came to game time, Kitchen would override his game plan and had the game be making the calls instead of him, make all the offensive calls, and they would be different than what the guys worked out and planned and, and all during the week. So the game plan made no sense once he took charge of it. Yeah. That's it's a complete, it sounds like classic Cleveland. Classic Cleveland. And that's one of the things that Michael Wilbon, he goes on and on about how terrible coaching is. I think he's got a point in that a lot of teams bring in like coaches to be like, uh, quarterback gurus to fix their star quarterbacks, like to make Baker Mayfield good or something. Right. But like you got a guy like John Harbaugh, his job is not to make, you know, Joe Flacco elite or to make Lamar Jackson into, you know, the amazing running back. He has offensive coordinators who kind of does that. And he kind of oversees the process. I think John Harbaugh has been really good about hiring really good people around them and, del- and, de- and delegating that responsibility to them. And yeah. it sounds like kitchens, um, was not comfortable with doing that. Yeah, but we've also seen John Harbaugh grow up as a coach. He's been here like now, I think it's 12 years now, something like that. And remember, he we used to laugh about how when he came in, there were personality issues between him and the players. Yeah, uh, he didn't Pollard, want any. Pollard would just Pollard trash him. He didn't want any, any strong personalities in there. Right, yeah. no strong personalities. Uh, it seemed like Reed even clashed a little bit. Um, and then he came, and then he we became famous as Raven fans for talking about Harbaugh's doghouse and him throwing stuff into the doghouse. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, the Ravens won 14 games this year. It's hard to uh, be bad when you're. It's hard to look bad when you're winning. But it also it seems like he's came around to be a player's coach, and yeah. and accept the personalities because this team has like one massive personality. Yeah, and that, I mean that was even seen. Like Marcus Peters is a trash talker. He is like in your face. Um, and they just signed him to an extension, which was, by the way, it's turning out to be, I don't know, I can't recall like all the Ravens trades because there's less of them, right, than, than maybe in baseball. Right. But the Marcus Peters trades turned out to be a brilliant move. And now signing a four-year, a four-year, a four-year extension with for reasonable years. money. A three-year three extension, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it just seems to be uh, working out to be a just an amazing trade. A lot yeah. better than what the Rams ended up with in Ramsey after trading White Peters. So props to DaCosta right. for the Peters deal. And we gave up Kenny Young, who wasn't working out in our defense anyway. Yeah. So totally uh, great, great, great move there. Uh, it's interesting to see Peters sign that because he's having a great year. So you would think he could get more money in the like go into free agency. But it also talks about more about this organization and how it's really special what the Ravens have going on right now. Yeah, and it's a special um, – it's a, just a special matchup because it seems to fit Peter's personality. He seems to get along well here. Um, and then he's just what the Ravens needed too. And I was yep. surprised um, just based on – it just seems like he's been around for a little bit. Um, I was surprised that he was only 26 years old. Well, uh, it's because every year he's on a new team. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's another thing is 
whether Peters grew up or whatever, like it, we haven't heard any issues with him, like off field issues or locker room issues with him. And sure, it, they're winning. Yeah, I mean, and on field, like he's still the biggest trash talking gets in your face. Yeah, but it, again, that kind of fits what the Ravens needed because Humphrey is cool and great. And so is Jimmy Smith, but they're not like kind of in your face attitude guys. And so I think Peters kind right. of adds some of that, which is cool. Yeah, a, yeah, a little bit of uh, a little bit like Weddle's Weddle when we lost him, same type of just loud personality on the field. But also goes back to that John Harbaugh allowing those loud personalities and and understanding and being able to work with them now. Um, I think it's telling that it's a three year deal because that's when Lamar would be due for a contract. So mm. I think I think anything we sign, anyone we sign over the next six months, year, will be all coming up to an end around that three-year deal, you know? Yeah, and it was front-loaded because it looks like we're going to have a good bit of cap space next year. Right. Um, and again, you're right. Like, now is the time to get these deals in before you have to pay Lamar Jackson all the money in the world. Yep. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's very similar to how we felt with the Orioles many years ago with the young Manny Machado. And we're like, this is the window. Yeah. Okay, invest. Do whatever you need to do. And they just couldn't get it. Are you trying to say this is going to end with Lamar Jackson being traded? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> um, I don't think Lamar Jackson will be traded. No. <laughs> but uh, no, I think uh, I don't know if he'll retire a Raven, but <laughs> there's no chance of him being traded in the next few years. Yeah. Zero chance of that. Yep. All right. Can we get to. I mean, I spent some time may, coming up and thinking about an all-decade scene for the Orioles. Um, yep, let's get to it. Then I want to talk about some moments in uh, in, in the past 10 years. Because I okay. think there's, some, there's been some really fun moments. But yeah, let's get to your uh, all-decade Orioles. This is, so looking at 2010 through 2019. And I tried to pick both on like performance on the field and also just like, my gut feelings about players, like who I associate with being that guy in that position. Okay. Um, so let's start with the lineup, and then we'll get to get to position players. I mean, get get to the <laughs> Wait, pitchers. What? Let's start oh, with the lineup, okay. and right. then we'll get to we'll pitchers. We'll start with – all right, gotcha. I thought you were going to give the lineup and then go through on assigned positions. No, no, no. You're let's, saying let's I got the lineup of... and the position. Gotcha. And I also got a bench. Um, I got a I got a four man bench. Well, you had to get Ryan Flaherty on there somewhere. So absolutely, and he is like the epitome of the all the decade bench. utility bench player. Yeah. 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 All right. Where are we at? So let's let's I'll give the lineup. Uh, all right. Batting leadoff, playing right field. You let me know if any of these are off base because some of these could be off base. But I think I actually think the lineup was actually really easy. Coming up with five pitchers and a bullpen was hard. <laughs> But the lineup, I think there's only one, maybe two that I even second guessed at all. Um, playing right field, leading off Nick Marcakis. Okay. Batting second, third base Manny Machado. All right. I'm not you don't want to give that. any protests and love for Wilson Betamit, who held down third before Manny got here. Uh, Wilson Betamit? No, I'm not concerned about him. I will. Forget about him in uh, just a little bit. Yeah, I like him. He almost made my bench team just because I liked Wilson Betamit. I don't know if it's because I like saying his name, Betamit, but I just liked him. Batting third, center fielder, the all-decade player for the Orioles, Adam Jones. Yeah, right? he's the, he nothing represents the Orioles and maybe maybe even Baltimore sports in the past decade as Adam Jones. Yeah, he's Mr. Decade right there. DH, 
Um, could have went a couple different directions. Um, I went with Nelson Cruz. All right, good, good. Because I was going to say, I only have one guy that I'd go with. Yeah. Well, I could have also went with like Steve Pierce, who had or, a big I mean, role with this team. Yeah, or Trumbo. Or Mark Trumbo more recently, who had a couple right. good years for us. But I think of Cruz as like the guy that got away. Like, like he was the perfect DH, and then we've been trying to fill that hole since he left. Yeah, and I also look at him as that kind of when when we signed him, right, late in what February, late in February, um, in 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 2014, as that is that being kind of a big deal, um, because yeah. we got him in such a good contract, and he had one of the best years of his career, um, and he made and the All Star team. And yeah. the way players like young guys who were rookie guys at the time, Machado and Scope, looked up to this guy. Yeah. Difference in Great their career. The clubhouse. My only like hesitancy for Gonzalo Cruz, though, is he was just here for a year, right? So it's right. weird putting an odd decade guy who was only here for a year. But he right. was a big role in getting to the playoffs. He's, he had a big part in the playoffs. So it was a big signing. So I feel okay about it. All right. Um, Batten fifth, left field. Current face of the franchise, Trey Mancini. Okay. Give it to you. I don't have any. I mean, left field's been a hole of (laughs) of dead players. So, sure, I'll give you. Batting six, playing first base, I got our boy, Chris Davis. Uh, Yeah, I mean, people love to trash Chris Davis. But uh, those first few years of Chris Davis were really special. Yeah, I mean, in 2013, which is his biggest year, he was third in MVP voting, right? He was up there, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera, Mike Trout, and Chris Davis. Um, So no doubt he was great for a few years there. Um, He's been with the team almost the entire decade, which is also, it helps his case. Um, Yeah, from 2011, 2019, he's been with the team. Right, and we'll be paying him for a few decades. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Batten seventh, playing second base at Jonathan Scope. Uh, yeah, no brainer there. Yep. Uh, Jonathan VR making a late push for it, but no. Again, yeah, short and kind of after the magic. Yeah, yeah, like it It definitely like helps you to be on the all decade team when you were there when we won. Right, right. right. That's the only reason Delman Young's going to be on your bench when you get to him. Yeah, um, he is on my bench. Uh, he eight. has to be. That's why I didn't <laughs> argue with him earlier. He's got to be on your bench simply for that double that he hit. Yes, if he did nothing else, and I don't remember him doing anything else, but if he did nothing else but have that one at bat. Right, he's on um, your bench. He's on my bench, yeah. yeah all, all he's right. part of the all-decade team. Yeah. Uh, bat eighth catching, of course. Yeah, Matt, Matt Wieters. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and though, like, people trash Matt Wieters, let's not forget four all-star, four all-star games, two gold gloves, right. even received some MVP votes in 2012. Like, I know he didn't live up to the hype, but he was a starting catcher for us for seven years. Yeah, and a and an all star for four of those years, so that's pretty good. Any love for Caleb Joseph? Yeah, and I mean, he did kind of coming in when when uh, Weeders was hurt and. Oh, shoot! I just realized I don't have a backup catcher on my bench. He he would be my backup. Yeah. Oh, catcher you on got my one. Bench. You got you got Ryan Flaherty on there. That's true. Remember, he's got, always the emergency catcher. That's true. That's right. He could he could catch at shortstop. Of course, there's only really one option here. J.J. Hardy. Yeah, J.J. Hardy. Miss, almost Mr. Oriole. Like, I yeah. know, like, I don't know. I guess, <sighs> I, I've never looked at his career. Did he spend more time, what, in Milwaukee? It was the Twins. We, the we twins, got the Minnesota. Twins, yeah. Did he spend yeah. more time out there than in Baltimore? 
because I don't know. He seemed to be like the solid old guy, older guy, veteran, quiet guy, but just like a rock on this team for so long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the best moves that Andy McPhail made was was bringing him in here. And he was with us, let's see, from 2011, 2017, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. And he was with, oh, you're right, Milwaukee and then Minnesota. And then he came here. So Milwaukee for one, two, three, four, five, five years, Minnesota for a year. So, yeah, he spent the majority of his career with the Orioles. All right. Okay. Because, see, I always think of him as a brewer, but that's, I guess, older memories pre uh think i'm as a rookie coming up and stuff so that's cool that he spent more of his years in baltimore yeah and definitely that pretty much the whole decade with baltimore so definitely makes the all decade team and then my bench we mentioned Delman young just for the double yeah um ryan flaherty um if buck showalter is the manager and he is the manager he's ryan flaherty is his first draft pick to come ride the bench for him um so ryan flaherty definitely right. makes it on there and the other guy I got, and this could and, be... And yeah. We, yeah, and we make fun of Ryan Flaherty. But he, as far as a bench guy goes, he was on this team a long time as a bench guy. And it's because he was filling in at every position possible. Yeah, I mean, he was the ideal utility player. And he was good in the playoffs, man. He had, he had a good playoff run for right. us. Um, and he was here, like, for five years. He was here for or six years, from 2012 to 2017. So he was here for the majority of the decade as well. So... Most utility players, I feel like, just kind of come and go, right? Right. Um, but he he hung around as a utility player, which is kind of impressive. And was it uh, uh, was it Marvin uh, Mariano Rivera that they caught him on that uh, like saying like a come at me uh, type thing to him when he when he was at the plate? You remember that gift that was going around? Yeah, I'm sure there was more profanity in it than just come at me. But I, I always remember that with Ryan Flaherty as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember who the pitcher was on that, but yeah, maybe, that's maybe it was Chapman, maybe. And then all the other players, that was his rookie year, I think, because all the other players kind of got got his back. Because like, what are you doing getting on this this right. kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So right. and the other utility players, I have, I have Stevie Wilkerson, which I know is a late <laughs> that addition. Doesn't make any sense. No. Here's my no, argument. No, no, no. Here's my argument. That's for my Stevie only Wilkerson. protest so far. All right. Here's my argument for Stevie Wilkerson. <laughs> okay. Try. I think he represents, embodies the transition from um, Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter from actually trying to win to this new Orioles squad. And Steven Wilkerson, who I need to remind you, like pitches, you know, has got a couple 16th inning saves. No, he's not. He doesn't belong on this bench. Is that your last bench spot? He also made a, 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 a stupid catch in center field, one of the highlights of last year's team. Um, <laughs> no, my last spot. My last spot's better. It's though I don't think you. I think Stevie Wilkerson is perfect because he's terrible but entertaining, which is this new team. Um, my last spot goes to um, a guy who m- might have been an all-decades starter if it wasn't for injuries. Though what could have been Mr. Nolan Reimel? <laughs> I'll give you that. I, I was always a big Nolan Reimel fan. I always Everybody was. For him. Always thought he was going to come back. Everybody did. Right. Him and his, like, 22 children. He was going to make a run for Melvin Morris, number of kids. Yes. So I'm leaving him on your bench, but I got to take off Wilkinson. Okay, who do you replace him with? I don't know. Mark Trumbo. With Caleb Joseph. Mark Trumbo, Caleb Joseph, Steve Pierce. Those are all big names that I would put on my bench that you've left off. I'm putting Caleb Joseph in there. I don't don't like Steve Pierce, um, to be honest. I'm not putting Steve Pierce on there. And I don't like Mark Trumbo either. 
So I'm not leaving him by. I, it, it, it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth that Steve Pierce was, you know, the World Series MVP for the Red Sox. All right. And, and, okay. Uh, you know who I'd put on there before Stevie Wilkinson? Yeah. Hansu Kim. Because, uh, yeah. Because he didn't I, do much on the field, but just the the impact he made, it kind of he kind of epitomized the Duquette Showalter, like we don't like each other. We're we're this isn't working out together. That's true. And he had a great song. So yeah, that's a good call actually. I liked his song. And we talked about him every way week too much. We way talked to yeah, because I play, average play that song player, all the time. We talked about him way too much. Yeah, so hey, I, makes sense. A below average baseball player. Yeah. He was in the, only in the majors for like a year or two. Yeah. But I think, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was a complicated issue, right? Because part, part, part of it was he didn't feel like he got a fair shake, which is probably true. Remember his like hitless streak in the spring training? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And remember everyone said, nah, no big deal. Yeah. No big deal. He'll be fine. Right. I feel like uh, Davis has that same hitless streak and everyone gets on him in spring training. But yeah. And Su Kim, no big deal. And yeah, the whole like he wouldn't go to the minors because Duquette signed him to a major league deal. It's just it was just a crazy thing. Only only happens on the Orioles. Yeah. Yeah, that was a whole awkward situation. But he did. He batted three hundred in his first major league season. In, in his 95 at-bats. I mean, I'm sorry, his 95 games, 350 at-bats. Bad over 300. So, yeah, they good. But you're right. He was only here for 2016, 2017. Right. Um, and it's not like he, he didn't even go to another major league team. No, he played for the Phillies, actually, a handful of games. Did he? I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. All right. All right, um, let's get to my, your my, starting rotation. Yeah, my, my starters. This was a little more a little, a little trickier because there weren't that many good ones. And I was like... I didn't know. Do, like, do I? I didn't put Joe Saunders on there. Do I put Joe Saunders just because he had that one great game? One moment. Uh, yeah. I I would throw him into the bench for that one moment. Do I put like I didn't put if Bert was here, he would get on me for not putting Bud Norris on here, even though Bud Norris, um, uh, you know, was a big part of us making the playoffs. But I'll give you my cool. five and tell me if, if these because I try to separate starters and bullpen. All right. So tell yeah, me let's go through starters. Starters. The first one, my ace of the staff, is Dylan Bundy. <laughs> he's if, not in my top five. If for no other reason that he's been here the entire time, right? Like there is not a pitcher that was more hyped. There's not a pitcher I think that represents you know what? Orioles pitching for the decade more than Dylan Bundy. Maybe next year we go with like the worst Oriole <laughs> team of the decade or the most like disappointing team of the decade. And Bundy would be my ace there because he came in with all the promise. And but he never showed it. He still he still hung around, right? He was on our team from 2012 to 2019, right? Um, as and and some of those years were injury plagued, but um, certainly a big part of of the decade, right? But he came up so young and was supposed to be this star so early, and then nothing. All right, Josh. But to put so, this in context, my next guy has the highest WAR of any pitcher. Of the decade for the Orioles. So if you add up all the starting pitchers war for the decade okay. while they're on the Orioles, this guy is the highest. All right. Then he's probably not on my list. Uh, who is he? Kevin Gossman. Okay. All right. Kevin Gossman, Kevin Gossman, Kevin Gossman on was war, on my list. Was yes. the best pitcher of the decade. Really? So that's Yeah, that's where we're at here. <laughs> all right. That's, all right, where, that, that's, that's the benchmark. 
Weird, because all right, I had him on there, but my ace would be a guy who's probably on your rotation somewhere is Chris Tillman. That's my number three, Chris Tillman. All right, good. I like. I, I was a, Chris Tillman's that one of those guys where it's like suddenly it all went away. Yeah. Did you hear he's trying to make a comeback this year? They're good for him because it's one. It's one of those tough things because no one could really explain why it went away. He no. just suddenly couldn't couldn't pitch anymore. All right. Who do you have in the number four slot? And Chris Tillman, by the way, another guy has been the list for no other reason. He was here the entire decade. Right. Um, next guy I have on the list, Wei Yin Chen. All right, good. He's on my list as well. All right. And number five, Josh, don't. This is part because performance, part because of what he meant to Baltimore. No, 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 no. Wait. This was not. This is not Brian Mattis. No, he, you cannot he, put Brian Mattis in on your decade anywhere. He uh, no, my, my number five starter is Ubaldo Jimenez. <laughs> All right, I gotta, I, I'm with you. You know right, what? Not I, I had a different guy, stat, but just everything around him, right? The big contract, U- Ubaldomore, Ubaldomore. He's whatever forever live in infamy for being brought in, and it wasn't his fault that he was brought in the game <laughs> instead of Zach Britton, but he was brought in instead of Zach Britton. So like all those yes. things, his quirkiness, how he had to hire yes. a special coach just for him. All those things make – we talked about him so much. He's You're right. Part of for the, the same game. reason that Delman Young is on your bench uh, for that one moment, yeah. Ubaldo Jimenez was such a big deal, and reason. he's got to be on there. Um, now you're missing some yeah, guys. Yeah, uh, Miguel Gonzalez. Yeah, I thought about him. Um, uh, <laughs> Jason Hamill. Yeah. Again, in those early – because I, I keep – even though we're looking at the whole decade, it's like – Naturally, I just go back to that 2012 like time frame. Yeah, the 2014 and 2015. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, all right, so your closer is Zach Britton. Yeah, like that's the obvious out of this entire thing. That's the most obvious spot. Yeah, I, I think the setup man's pretty obvious too. In Darren O'Day. Ooh, no, I wouldn't go Darren O'Day. I I guess I would go with uh, uh, what's his name that we got from the uh, Yankees. Oh, and Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller, like, yeah. Originally from the yeah Red yeah. Sox. Yeah. yeah, we only had him a year or so, but I'd throw him out there. But you're right. He I guess for half the season. Yeah. I, All right, fine. I'll give you yeah, Darren a day for longevity. Yeah. Other guys in the bullpen: Jim Johnson. Okay. Brad, Brad Brock. Gotcha. Yeah. Pedro Strope. <laughs> yeah, him and his crooked hat. Him and his crooked hat. Michael Givens. Okay. Good. I like that. I'm yeah. actually really liking this pen. Yeah. Do you know what Darren O'Day, Jim Johnson, Brad Brock, Pedro Stope, and Givens all have in common, though? They're not Brian Mattis. They're all right-handed pitchers. Uh, you're, you you're need throwing a lefty him. in there. Yeah. Josh, I just want to – By forget. the way, I, I've changed my mind on Brian Mattis. Yeah. I'm with you on Brian Mattis simply because if this is an all-decade Orioles, we got to face the all-decade Red Sox, and someone's got to pitch to David Ortiz. Okay, here are the stats real quick. First of all, Brian Mattis was in our bullpen for from 2009-2015, so spent half the decade with us. Against Josh Hamilton, Josh Hamilton batted 1 for 13. Uh, Big Poppy, 4 for 29. And Big Poppy in 29 at-bats struck out 13 times and had zero dongs against Brian Mattis. Here's <laughs> That's pe- crazy. But people forget how good Brian Mattis was against left-handed pitching. Josh, here are his stats over his career. This is you as a starter left, and bullpen. Batters. Yeah, his career against lefties in 254 games. This is over 700 
and 30 at bats. 737 plate appearances he pitched against. Um, he averaged uh, his strikeout to walk average was five strikeouts for every walk. Lefties batted 213 against them. I mean, th- these are insane numbers. Um, he he only gave, gave up 143 hits in those 737 at bats. Um, his 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 strikeout through walk walk ratio against right-handed hitters was 1.5. Against lefties, it was 4.7. So he just crushed against lefty hitters. Um, and he did it for six years. So I think sometimes, again, because he was a starter, I think he was a first-round pick, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of hype. Um, right. He didn't make it as a starter, just like Zach Britton did not make it as a starter. Um, and Brian Mattis clearly was not as good as Zach Britton. But, but for a while, Brian Mattis was, for a long stretch, one of the best loogies in all of baseball. So, I, and that's why it was a joke that we were saying Brian Mass for starter. Um, but one of the reasons we were joking about it is because he was one of the best guys in the bullpen. So you could talk right. about him being a starter. Yeah. So I, he makes my, and I know he might not make everybody's. And there uh, is, I do like Brian Mattis too. I know, I'm with you. Uh, what about Tommy Hunter? Yeah. A room for him in your, ben, in your yeah. bullpen? I thought about him too. Um, Tommy goes boom. Um, yeah. Yeah, he definitely went boom. <laughs> yeah, he's just—he was too bad to put on there. He—he he was more like a personality that we enjoyed rather than a, a player. Yeah, like he—yeah, he's a guy you like to have in the locker room. Um, and what? Yeah, Tommy it, came in kind. Of, I feel like Tommy was on this team right at the start of like Orioles Twitter, and uh, and that kind of helped his attention. But it also was this thing where like. Whenever he would pull it into the game, we were all on the edge of our seat together, just waiting for it to blow up. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think one of my favorite memories of him is is in the is in the dugout, right, Cur- cursing on on Masson as he's talking about Kevin Gossman. <laughs> um, but when your most famous highlight is, it's like Bryce Harper's most famous highlight with the Nationals being winning the home run derby. Like it's good, but you pro- your best highlight probably should be in a game type scenario. Sure, sure. Uh, all right, and manager is, of course, Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter, um, general manager, Dan Duquette. Yep. The only other guys you could mention is you can mention McPhail at the beginning or mention um, Elias at the end. I think... Too early. The next decade, hopefully, will rep- be represented by Mike Elias. Yeah, Brandon Mike Hyde, Elias. Brandon Hyde's going to uh, flash in a plan. <laughs> we're gonna, we're, we are not going to remember his name in a decade. You think so? No, I don't think so. You don't think he's here when we get good again? No. Who was the manager before Buck Walter? Uh, Dave Tremblay, I think. <laughs> see, see that that I think is exactly where we'll be in a decade. I hope. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be the one holding up the trophy in in whenever we eventually win the World Series. Um. Okay. Uh, you you we, you mentioned Chris Tillman trying to make a comeback. Some of the guys on that all-decade team are still playing baseball. Do you think Buck Showalter or Dan Duquette get another chance? Mm. Um, I mean, both those guys are relatively... I know Dan Duquette's credited with being new school when everyone was old school back with the Red Sox. But in today's terms, Dan Duquette's old school. Buck Showalter's certainly old school. And it seems now, like most teams Dan are... Dan Duquette will fight you if you say he's old school. He yeah. says he just wasn't allowed to use analytics. Yeah, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe he understood all the analytics. I mean, 
just based on his analytics department, right? The fact that Michael Elias had to go in there and actually create an analytics department um, that was just like used to be one person. And right. Michael Elias now, no, we have actual department. It's not just one person. We have a department yeah. of analytics. So based on that information, I don't think Daniel Cat is very is analytics heavy enough for for these teams. So I don't think Daniel Cat does it. Buck Showalter. Uh, I mean, I think he still has a reputation as a very good manager. Um, and I think he's he seems like a, guy, a kind of guy who's thoughtful and can kind of evolve as a manager. So I could see Buck Showalter doing it, though he's been around the game forever. And it seems like he can just get a, a cushy MLB network job. So I don't know if you'd want to do it. But I think Buck Showalter is the more likely of the two. But if I was a betting man, I would not bet on either of them being a manager or a general manager again in baseball. Yeah, I don't know if Buck Showalter could get a MLB like network job because, <laughs> I mean, he was working for the Yes Network at the end of this past season. Mm. Uh, now, I mean... So the I Yes know. Network's a pretty big network, right? It is, but it's not a national... I guess it's, it's not Yankees, so it's as close as you can get to nationals without national level without being national level. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe so. It all depends. You know, the problem is as pe- as more and more people leave baseball, everybody who retires in a professional sport then wants to do an, an analyst job for that sport. Yeah. So you can take your pick. Yeah, just looking over my all-decades team, pitchers, you mentioned Chris Tillman. Outside Chris Tillman, Michael Gibbons is the only pitcher who is still on the team. Just Michael Gibbons. Yeah. And, and he probably won't finish this year with on the team. Yeah, and he's destined to go. And on my lineup, the only guy that remains Davis and Mancini is Mancini and Davis. Yeah, and they'll both still be here in a year. Yeah. And uh, what about Wilkinson? Oh yeah, <laughs> about I, Wilkinson. I took him off. He, I deleted him. Good, and good, typed good. In That's how it Kim. I put right. Kim. I forgot about Hansu Kim. That's a great pick. All right. Um, you mentioned we mentioned the Delman Young double. We mentioned. Uh, Zach Britton being left in the bullpen in Toronto. What are some of your other like just moments from the past decade of Orioles baseball? Yeah, I mean, there's there's too many. Like, there's the big deals like that we mentioned. Also, like when we beat Scherzer, Verlander, and Price for the Tigers. Yeah. Um, like that was pretty. You know, yeah. three former Cy Young winning pitchers. <laughs> and we beat them with a bunch of nobodies with, with Wei Yin Chen's. Um, so that was cool. Um, you got to think about, I mean, just I go back and I think about like how the decade started with 2011 and how like, yeah, that team didn't win anything, but that team kind of set the road for like, suddenly we were doing this amazing things. And, and I remember going to the, to that game in 2011, that home game, where uh, we beat the Red Sox, and just it was just like we celebrated as if we actually won something. So that's like I'll it's always true. remember Dancing that final game in 2011, just celebrating nothing. Yeah, the curse and the Andino. Yeah, that's that's yeah that's was one of my favorite experiences at the ballpark. Um, because prior to that, like there was nothing. There was nothing. Yeah, and so right. after that, we got some playoff games that we went to, and you know things to actually cheer about yeah i like um rich dubroff wrote wrote a piece for baltimorebaseball.com about the decade and i like how he starts it this is opening kind of sentence 
He says the Orioles' decade began with the opening day crowd booing manager Dave Tremblay's removal of Mike Gonzalez from the mound after he blew his second ga- save in the first four games. <laughs> I like that uh, yeah. start to start. Yeah, um, I remember that. I remember booing lots of closers in his beginning, beginning yeah. of the decade. Yeah, I remember it was a big deal to boo someone on opening day. Um, and we'll have the same, same talk. We had the same talk last year and the same talk this year, too, about booing Chris Davis on opening day. Is it acceptable to boo right. on opening day? Um, yeah, the other, like, just, like, random stuff that comes to mind, which isn't, like, a big stuff. Just, you know, some things you remember better than others. Um, David Ortiz um, breaking the phone in the dugout for the Orioles. And then the Orioles being so funny and petty to when David Ortiz was doing his retirement, retirement tour, tour to yeah. give him the broken phone Love it. as a present, which Love is it. brilliant because those retirement tours are dumb anyway. Right. So here, exactly. is, here is a gift. Thank you for kicking our butts for yes. you know the past 15 years, minus when Brian Mass was pitching. Right. So the only thing they could have done better – is they could have had Brian Mattis deliver it. Yeah. Like, let yeah. him carry it out there, and, and I'm sure if that was the case, David Ortiz would drop it when it was handed to him. Yeah, they, yeah. They they, handle it. I remember they had Adam Jones go out, because I guess they were friends, to make right, it. Right, right. Let's not upset him too much. Yeah. yeah. Or we'll break, our, we'll break our new phone. We right. don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that memory stands out to me as as a good one. I mean, the extra in games, like Chris Davis pitching um, against Boston. Right. Because you could also argue, like, that's – when things started to turn around too, right? There's a 2011 moment. There's yeah, also, 2012. Yeah, that, that crazy extra inning game um, when Adam Jones, I think, hit a home run off their position pitcher. I think it was Daryl McDonald or something. And Chris Davis, um, you know, getting the job done. Well, in that whole beginning of the decade with Chris Davis, just like every, like, at bat, it was a home run yeah. or, or, or nothing. It was just, it was a lot of fun when it was 50% home runs from Chris Davis. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so yeah, we had, especially in the early years of the decade, you know, the 13th or 16th, we had a lot of, we had a lot of home runs. Um, so yeah. that was that was fun. Is it? It's crazy to me to think about the Ravens. Kind of through the whole decade, have always been relevant and been a good team. They had moments where they were a great team, but they've always been a good team. And to think about the Orioles, who came from nothing. So suddenly they were a really good, great team. Remember, for three of those years, they had like more wins than any other team in baseball. Yeah. So, and and then to just it all fell apart. Like none of it sustained. We didn't. Nothing from that magical like five years lasted. The yeah. The only thing that lasted is Chris Davis's paycheck. It's true, and that will continue on. Yeah. It's just it's crazy how it's it's gotten to this point. <laughs> Yeah, um, if you look at from 2012, right, when we turned around and made the playoffs to then, you know, having a winning team in 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, uh, I think 15 actually went 500 and then 16, um, and make the playoffs three years, winning the AL East one, one, one of those years. And then after 2016, like everything just falls apart. <laughs> yeah. If, if, and that's when you get to 2018 and then you start to sell everything. Yeah, if you told me in 2011, hey, over the next few years, you're going to have a winning team again, you're going to win the AL East, I would say, great, at some point you're going to win the World Series. Things are going on the up. But it went up, and then it peaked, and it crashed 
hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it peaked in 14, right, when you win the division. Yeah. Um, But then 15 was disappointing. But then 16, you won the – you got to the wild card game against right. the Blue Jays. Right. So you were all right. And then 17 – And then you like, thought, like, that was just a bad bullpen, right, bad decision. Yeah. But next year should be good. And then 17, it just fell apart. 17, you brought in, like, the same players all came back. Yes. And, like, something happened where the magic was not there. And then, like, you thought it was just kind of weird, so you tried to do it again in 18. And 18 is when you had to admit, like, wait a minute. <laughs> Manny Machado, John Scope, these players are on our team, and we're still not good. Right. So, time True. to blow it. It was weird, yeah. Yeah. And that's how we got here. Right. And now we're here, and uh, it's the start of the decade. Uh, Michael Elias has now, what, had his full year now with the team. So, we'll be interesting. He has made it clear he doesn't spend money on on major league rosters. Yeah, but he's drafted the player of the decade. Adam Jones was a player of last decade. Adley Rushman, is it too early to say he's the player of this decade? He's the of the two, 220s. He's the player of the Orioles decade. Is that uh, too much on him? Remember all the pressure we put on Ryan Miner um, as the Cal Ripken replacement? Yeah. Or but the it, pressure we put on... Matt Wieters as Jesus in cleats. Yeah, I think Matt Wieters is a better comparison. Or the pressure that we put on so many uh, arms as we were bringing in the cavalry. Yeah. I mean, I hate to put any of that pressure on a minor league player. But, yeah, Adley Rushman's the answer that's going to – he's our Jesus in cleats. He's going to turn this team around. Yeah. He has to. Yeah. And that's why it's laughable to say, like, Matt Wieters with the four all-star appearances and a couple gold gloves was a disappointment. <laughs> exactly. But, like, and a starting catcher for eight years or whatever. But he was, right? Because right. we had our, – our expectations were were higher. I mean, um, you do – are you like – I mean, yeah, you're, you you got to be like me, and I'm sure our Oriole fans are back this, where you look at – was it 2014 where we we won the division – but then Matt Wieters was hurt, and Chris Davis got suspended, and uh, Markakis got hurt, and it was like, well, maybe if we had the whole team healthy, that was the year. Yeah. That was our window. Yeah. So. It's true. A lot. I mean, we're seeing with the Ravens this year where everyone's staying healthy. Like, just to win, seasons are long, and just a lot of things has to go right. Right. Um, but, I mean, this year, it doesn't matter because we're not even trying to compete. So No. And you're putting all this pressure on Adley Rushman because he was a number one pick overall. But, I mean, the Orioles are trying to get two Adley Rushmans. Like, they're not trying to win this year. Right. Like, the goal is to have, like, even more losses. Right. And, like, this year, we'll get the second pick of the draft. So, presumably, right. that will be someone to build around as well. Yeah. And next year's draft, we're definitely going to have a top five pick. It should be number one. I mean, look at her roster. It's horrible. Like, yeah. we won, we had 108 losses, I think, last year. Yeah, 108. And uh, right now I look at this roster, and I think we're going to have 162. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, John Means still has to pitch every fifth day. So, right. All right. So give, give him 10 wins. All right, we got 150. Yeah. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, um, but it's okay because as long as you win the World Series in 2023, it was all worth it. Is that your? Uh, <laughs> is that your? Uh, Time now for bold predictions. Is that your bold prediction? You think 2023 we're winning it all? 
I've been saying I've been saying it since uh, Michael Ice got here, 2023. I was saying <laughs> when Michael Ice came here, I said 2021. Clearly now, I understand things are a lot worse, and Michael Ice moves a lot slower than I would like him to. Yeah. So I am a. Uh, actually, I always said 2021 was our first winning season. I have I a hard time that. believing that now, but maybe. Yeah, I could see that, but that's at this point. To go Best from losing case. 152 games this year to being a, a 500 team the next year, that'd be quite yeah. an improvement. It would be. It, I mean, yeah, you're talking a, like a 30-game swing. Yeah. That, well, it depends. I'll tell you when we win the World Series if you tell me when Adley Rushman makes his Major League de- debut. Oh, I think that's going to be 2021. He's 2021? Yeah, I don't think it's this year, but I think he's close, and I think they could, I think they could force it this year if they wanted to. But why would you force it when you're – you got this type of team. Yeah, I could see a September right. 2021 type deal. Oh, you think September 2021. I'm, I yeah. was thinking starts the season 2021. You see how slow Michael Elias does everything and promotes guys. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it depends on his performance, obviously, right? It depends how well it performs. Everyone says he's polished, right? And if he really is that polished, I'll be interested to see how slow right. Elias will go with him if he is polished. Um, but if he struggles at all, He's not moving up. Any sure. struggles whatsoever, he's not moving up. Because I think Michael Elias will find any excuse to hold him down. Same reason I don't think Ryan Mountcastle is starting with the Orioles this year. Because I think they're going to find any excuse to hold him down. And I expect them to call well, that Ryan depends. Mountcastle up in the middle of the season. I don't see. I don't know how much they really see Ryan Mountcastle as part of the future. Oh, I think they do. He's not. I don't know if he's a Michael Elias guy. And if he's not a Michael Elias guy, he's a cheap part of the twenty. 20- 20 Orioles. Well, then trade him now. Shoot, because other people think he's going to be pretty good. Right. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they put a roster together in 2020 and to see what happens with this team over the next three years, how we get to that World Series in 2023. Well, because something else, Josh, you shared with me prior to the show, the uh, salaries for the next few years this year and coming up. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, $59 million this year with uh, with Cobb and Davis being like more than half of that. Well over half, da- yeah. Davis has 21 and some change, and Cobb has 14 and some change. Then we've 35, got, yeah. Yeah, so then we've got Mancini at five and Givens at three and a half right below them. Then, then well, your next guy is Albert Hanser. That's yeah. kind of where this team is. Yeah, well, I mean, the only guys under contract – like with who signed contracts were Davis and Cobb. The rest are still going through the arbitration stuff. Yes. Um, so, and in 2023. Well, Richard Blair and uh, has a contract. Well, just because he already he yeah. already settled his arbitration cases earlier. Yeah. They sure. agreed on deal. Yeah. All, but, only long term well, guys are those two. Yeah. So, like the point is, any of those other guys, they could cut at any at any point and owe them no money. Right. You can right. cut them at any time. Yes. Um, but what's significant is in 2023, when I project to win the World Series, what also happens? Uh, um, none of those guys. Davis. Uh, they stop Cobb, paying for Chris Davis. Yeah. Cobb, no, they don't stop paying for Chris Davis, but they get Chris Davis off the off of their uh, roster. Remember, Chris Davis has his prorated thing where he gets paid for like seven more years or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not 22 million dollars. No, it's not. He's making 20 dollars. No, exactly. He gets 21 for the next three years, and then he's off the books. Yes. 
And, and so I think Cobb is off after next year. 2021 is his last yes, year. If they hold on to him for that long. Right. And and so I think after that, that's when you can start in 2022, right? We when buy, Cobb buy the arms. Book, you can start buying arms. In 2023, you have even more money. So I think you can supplement what you have. And by that point, by 2022, you'll know what you have in Rushman, in um, Mountcastle, in Hall, Rodriguez. Like you'll know what you have in some of these guys. So you'll be able to kind of choose wisely where you want to go in free agency. And then you'll have, presumably, you have a lot of money because most of these players will still be on rookie deals. Um, Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, it's really trendy right now to do like Orioles retro shirts and stuff because there's no one on the team to celebrate now. Yeah, I think on Section 336, we're going to start printing up our Orioles 2023 World Series T-shirts. Yeah. And start selling some world champion 2023 Orioles. If you can't live in the now, you can either live in the past or live in the future. There's always hope for the future. That's right. So. Though if we don't win the World Series in 2023, I want Michael Elias fired immediately. Yeah, it's uh, it's 2023 World Series or bust. Because he's making us put up with all this crap. There better there better be some fruits for all this labor. There better be some reward for all this punishment. Yeah, um, I don't know. What the Israelites wandered for what 40 years? Yeah, and so the Orioles could. No, I'll, I'll wander for four years, and then <laughs> and then I want to see some winning. Right. This is not. I don't want this to turn into the Redskins. Uh, yeah, the, the, well, or the Browns the, for that matter. The Redskins have been more relevant and more. I, I mean, Redskins won a champ, world championship more recently than the Orioles. Yeah, but so. but and not they had the '90s. Yeah, but they had their excitement of RG3, which you one could compare, year, which you could compare to our 2012, 2014 yeah, Orioles. Had, yeah, we had a few years of that. They had one year. Yeah, all we know is that we definitely feel for anyone who is an Oriole. And a Redskin fan. Yeah, that's the worst combination of fandom ever. Well, no, the worst combination of fandom is a Nationals and Ravens fan. Because it doesn't even make sense. But at least you get to see winning. Well, yeah, you're a bandwagon. That it's a, it's a bandwagon fan. And there's many of them out there, apparently. Yeah, well, you, you call them bandwagon fans. I call them smart fans. Right. Cheering for winners. Yeah. I should uh, do that. I should raise Silas as a National and... Ravens fan. No, we've had this conversation. If I was a good parent, I would do that. We've had this conversation because I moved to Florida at the same time, and I'm like, I could just tell people I'm a Nationals fan and and get away with it. But if you don't, if you haven't been through the losing, if you haven't been through the crap, you won't understand and enjoy the the victory when it ever, when it ever comes. That and Josh, you'd have a hard time explaining your tattoos. Uh, well, that was before. No, I can no no no. I want it because you can you can oh, you explain can it, it just before. like every, yeah, just yeah. like every Nationals fan. I was a Cal Ripken Jr. fan, not an <laughs> Orioles fan. Yeah, it was before true. the Nationals were there. I could definitely explain it. Yeah, but, that's true. You're but the hardship, the fact when I think of the Ravens Super Bowl and how like how amazing that victory was, I think we enjoyed that even more because of the years we had invested before. And the tough losses in the playoffs the year before. And the missed field goals and the Lee Evans dropped ball. So when we finally got that victory, it made it that much better. Yeah, but we didn't have to wait all that long. I mean, it was more, I guess, painful for Colts fans, right, who had experience losing the Colts. Like I did hear about people who were— Right, and that's why 2000 was so big for them. Yeah, I think I did hear about people who were senators, like Washington Senators fans back in the day, 
and like we're long hardcore na- like those fans exist josh of old oh, senators fans who totally. are the national fans and, and it's good for them yes yeah and i know there's been fan bases like that have waited longer like i think of the red sox in their 100 years i think of the cubs i can't the cubs whenever i think of the cubs all i think about is that cubs fan sitting along the gravestone watching the game on his phone because he always dreamt of doing it with his dad of the world series with his dad. So I know there's teams that have been had longer stretches, but man, it's been a long time for the Orioles. Yeah. Yeah. It has 1983. Well, maybe this decade though, Josh, this is our decade. This this has to be our decade. We, uh, you going to put your fandom on the line. If it's not this decade, you out, you giving them 10 more years. Yes, 10 more years, Orioles, to give me a World Series. If you don't do it in 10 years, I'm out of here like Dan Zimanowski. Right. Of course, we could have been we could have been saying that for the past 30 years. It's true. But at some point, you got to draw the line somewhere. All right. Don't draw the line in the sand right here. All right. Well, draw the line, and let's get out of here. All right, boys and girls, thank you for listening to our special edition of the All Decades Show. Happy New Year, all you coconuts. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Section336. That's my Twitter handle. Follow me on Twitter. You can also follow (laughs) Josh on Twitter. Just search for 336 to get it. Way to start off the new year. I was starting talking about following us by searching Section336, and then I was going to do Twitter handles, but I just said my Twitter handle. Anyway. Right, you, you can, can follow Josh on Twitter. At Josh Soroka. Or come on down to Florida and just drive around and follow me. Yeah, just look for a guy with Orioles tattoos right. back from when Cal Ripken was good. Exactly. All right, boys and girls. Thanks for listening. And as always, go O's. And go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out.